0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So for this retreat, this style of day-long I begin the day, before we even meditate together, with a little bit of instruction because the practice I'm offering today is, is different than um, our traditional kind of uh, practice that we offer here where we bring the attention to a particular object. Instead, what I'm offering today is more of an open, receptive awareness practice. It's uh, a style of practice that I I learned from my teacher in Burma, Saira Utejaniya. The the open awareness practice itself is um, a practice that many traditions use and also um, the the standard Mahasi tradition that we uh, basically orient around here at this center moves in the direction of open awareness once you've established a A base of awareness or settledness in the present moment. But this practice that I learned from Sayadaw Tejaniya starts right from the beginning with just receiving. It's really, we could talk about it as a receptive awareness practice, receiving what's happening, receiving experience. And so um, I will give some instructions about how to begin that from the beginning. To, to explore just what's happening here and now, what's most obvious, what is the mind naturally or already paying attention to, as opposed to picking something to pay attention to. So it's a, it's a different form of meditation practice. And yet it is. we could call it more a... Um, it's a mindfulness practice uh, that we are exploring... A mindfulness and awareness practice. We are exploring cultivating a stability of awareness with a variety of experience instead of trying to cultivate a stability of awareness with directing the attention to one particular experience. So I like to also start this, um, this day with a, just a little reminder about why we do this. You know, why do we sit down and practice? Why do we meditate? Uh, sometimes in the midst of a of instructions, you know, when we're get kind of in the mechanics of details of here's how you pay attention, we, we kind of go, why am I doing this? You know, why would I want to do this? You know, what's the point here? So I just want to remind us all about the point of our, our mindfulness practice, our meditation practice, and that is to basically learn about our minds, to learn about what's going on inside of our being. Often we are living, I think we all know this to some extent, we are living without a lot of awareness about what's motivating us. We're doing things and, and sometimes we think, well, why did I do that? You know? And we know sometimes that we've done it because of habit or because of you know, conditioning from our families or um, old patterns. So uh, we, we may feel that those patterns kind of have the upper hand at times. And that we can't quite get underneath to uh, shift or change the direction of our, of our actions and our, um, the way our minds are functioning. And so meditation begins to allow us to, uh, I would say, we, we could say something like lower the horizon of our subconscious that we can begin to understand what motivates us through this mindfulness practice. We can begin to see urges before we act on them. And we begin to have choice about, oh, maybe maybe that would be helpful. Maybe that would not be so helpful. Another piece of this um, exploration of mindfulness is a lot of people, I think, come to... Meditation to mindfulness practice, you know, because there's struggle in their lives. There's some sense of wow. There's got to be another. There's got to be another way. There's got to be something else out there. I certainly came to the practice from this perspective. It says, does somebody? Does some? Anybody out there know a way to alleviate this suffering? And the Buddha uh, had that same question and for himself found an answer that yes, there is a way to uh, alleviate suffering, to live in a different way, to shift our relationship to experience so that we are not suffering, we are not struggling. So this, uh, this practice of mindfulness and meditation begins to, it helps us to understand how our own Uh, habits, how our own patterns, basically how our minds contribute to the way we suffer. There's stuff happening out there in the world that we are responding and reacting to, and that is largely out of our control. Some things we can manipulate and do things with, but largely what's happening in the world is not in our control. And if we are kind of helpless Uh, respondents to what's happening in the world, there's not much hope for happiness and ease and peace. And so the Buddha began to recognize that it's a lot about our relationship to what's happening. How we we respond to what's in the world has a great deal to do with how at ease we are, how much or little suffering there is in our experience. And so this is our minds. Our minds are in relationship to the world. We have habitual reactions to the world. A presidential candidate speaks and we have a reaction. We get frustrated or angry or confused or... Disturbed, that's, 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 you know, part, partly there may be some wisdom to that, but there also is some habitual reactivity. If we are, if we are caught in the um, uh, the reaction and are not able to have some balance around the reaction, we will suffer. And so the practice of mindfulness, the practice of meditation begins to help us explore what's going on in our minds and how do our minds contribute to our suffering and how might it be possible for our minds to contribute to being more at ease, more at peace actually even happy in the world happy happy is a, 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 a word that uh, you know, we, we might think about happiness being related to conditions being uh, in a such a way that we would be happy. and it's kind of odd to think about being happy with so much of what's going on in the world. And yet, you know the, the kind of happiness that the Buddha pointed to it's it, it's, a, it's a, a kind of a, a deep alignment with the truth a deep alignment with what's happening in our experience in the world a non-resistance a non-reactivity to what's happening in the world and yet that um, non-reactivity doesn't also put us in a passive place it opens us to a place where we can be more responsive rather than reactive to the world so this is the, the place of happiness in our practice. There's a, a balance of mind, an equanimity of mind, and yet it's not an equanimity that's passive. It's an, actually an equanimity that wants to uh, act in the world to alleviate suffering, wants to act in the world to move towards um, more justice in the world. It's aligned with compassion, that equanimity. Compassion is a very active emotion. This um, understanding that happens as we begin to look into our minds and recognize, oh, when the mind does that, it it leads the organism, it leads this being into struggle, into suffering. And when the mind does that, it actually leads the mind in the direction of happiness, of of ease, of peace. That understanding that we begin to see and witness for ourselves is the wisdom of what the Buddha taught. I'll probably use the word wisdom a lot today, tomorrow, over the coming week. This The wisdom of the Buddha, the wisdom that we learn, is wisdom about alignment with the truth of what's happening and wisdom about what leads us towards a deeper happiness, a truer, a truer happiness. Not the happiness of, of creating conditions for ourselves, but the happiness of being at ease and yet responsive to the world. So this is what we're doing here. This is the practice. There are many different avenues in to explore our minds. I'm offering one avenue in this, this day, this week of practice. One avenue that I found to be extremely supportive for my own practice. It's an avenue that uh, has really opened up new Um, it's opened up new understanding for me around how my own mind works and it's also helped me to understand just how powerful mindfulness is. Just how um, much can be seen with mindfulness and helped me to, to recognize if there's anything that I think it's not possible to be mindful of. Including something like sleepiness or Spacing out or dullness. I don't believe that thought anymore. I don't believe it's not possible to be mindful of whatever's happening. And what I explore is if I find, I'm finding I'm not able to be mindful of something right now, I don't assume that it's not possible and that I should somehow try to change my experience. Instead, I explore how might it be possible? What, what might support me to be aware or mindful of this? Just this, this sleepiness, this confusion, this dullness. How might it be possible to be mindful of that? That's my first exploration. There's so much capacity. Our m- Mindfulness is an incredibly powerful tool in our minds. I think it was brilliant of the Buddha to recognize this very simple, actually very ordinary capacity of our minds as having such power. When we cultivate mindful, it's an ordinary capacity that we are cultivating to a very extraordinary degree. And it's, the, um, the, it's basically the continuity of that mindfulness oriented with a perspective of curiosity about what's happening in the present moment as opposed to how can I fix or change what's happening in the present moment. That mindfulness with that perspective of curiosity is incredibly potent force in our minds for moving us towards happiness, moving us towards freedom. Freedom. So the style of practice that I'm offering today um, is um, basically the emphasis is to some extent on learning about our minds. It's to begin to help us to become more familiar with what it means to be mindful of what our minds are doing. Often when we uh, sit down to meditate, we're given early instructions about paying attention to the body. And that's where we kind of have gravitated towards, is being mindful often to us means being present with bodily experience. That's one field of experience that we can be aware of in our mindfulness practice. This practice will include mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feeling, the four foundations of mindfulness the Buddha taught, but it will move in the direction of mindfulness of mind that we begin to explore and get familiar with what it means to be aware of what our minds are doing. For me this was um, and this was kind of a revelation as I really got familiar with it to, you're welcome to come in to, to really begin to understand not just how to be aware of specific things that happen in the mind, you know, be, be aware of anger when it arises as a, as a mind state, or be aware of a thought or something uh, along those lines. I was familiar with that, kind of familiar with watching the mind as, you know, in terms of things that happened in the mind like that. But what this practice began to help me see is the mind functioning as its observing experience. So it, 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 uh, it, it helped me to understand a whole new terrain or landscape of how to observe the mind and what can be seen in our minds. Learning to understand the mind is really helpful because that is where our suffering is created and that is where our freedom can happen. And so if we can begin to get familiar with watching the mind, we have a little bit more direct uh, access, perhaps, to... um, moving or uh, heading the mind towards happiness and freedom so I'd like to explore and talk about um, uh, some of the supports for, for our practice for this style of practice the first Support uh, is relaxation. The style of practice being a um, more receptive awareness rather than a directing the attention. Basically, what we explore is let's see how much we can relax and then what's available to be known, what is naturally known from that perspective of relaxation. As we observe our experience for any practice, actually, for any meditation form, it's helpful to come at it from relaxation. And so I... I um, support. I, I encourage a support of relaxation for this practice in particular, by by encouraging beginning the meditation with relaxing the body. When the mind is tense, the body will be tense. When the body relaxes, it actually has a feedback to the mind and helps the mind to relax. And so we, uh, we start with relaxing the body, allowing the body to relax. This supports our mind to relax a little bit. And then we actually check in, is it possible to relax the mind too? From the perspective of relaxation at that point, then we just check, okay, what's, what's here? What's available to be known? The relaxed mind in meditation creates a container for the practice to come from ease rather than striving, rather than having an attitude of, I need to do this. We, we often bring to any new activity some kind of old patterning of, I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this happen, and that pattern it is a uh, not so helpful with with meditation, so to to bring a different perspective, one of relaxation to this practice, more of we 're not pushing and striving to do something, and yet we 're also not just settling back and kind of wilting there 's a balance for relaxation. I sometimes use the word relaxed attention. It's possible to be attentive to our experience and relaxed. These two are not opposites. In fact, what's quite interesting is that when the mind does really relax, it's very attentive our minds are naturally interested in the world. If you look at babies, you know babies are very naturally interested in the world. And they're not thinking, how am I going to figure this out? They're just kind of absorbing. That's the natural kind of state of our minds to be attentive and relaxed. Our habits, our um, training through our lives has created this idea of in order to Uh, attend to something we have to kind of focus and press into it and so this kind of practice really moves us in the direction of relax and see okay what is the mind already attending to it's attending to something as we relax and so the relaxation helps us to just put us into a place of more curiosity as we relax, what is naturally being known? What is is the mind naturally paying attention to? If I get out of the way, if my agendas get out of the way, and I relax, if if I just let my mind relax, what is the mind interested in? What is it naturally knowing? I sometimes this is the second tool of our practice, relaxation being the first. The second is receiving experience. I sometimes say, just notice what's obvious. So relax. And what's obvious right now? What's the most obvious thing in your experience? Maybe it's a body sensation. Maybe it's the breath. Maybe it's the sound of my voice. If your eyes are open, maybe it's seeing. Maybe it's some inner mood or feeling, a contraction in your stomach. Maybe it's a curiosity. Maybe there's a stronger mood present, a fear or an anxiety. Relax and... Rather than searching for what is going on, just relax. And if nothing is obvious right away, just wait. Just relax and see what comes to you. See what comes to you. So this is, we could call this the what of our experience. What? is the mind paying attention to. So there's a distinction and this is an important one I think to to mention. At least for me it was confusing initially. I thought that mindfulness meant that I chose what I was paying attention to. That I picked the experience. Mindfulness meant I could pick, pay attention to the breath, and stay with the breath. If I got lost, my training for mindfulness was to pick the breath again. And so I I kind of confused or conflated the idea of being mindful with attending, picking something to attend to. With directing the attention. I had confused those two. I thought that being mindful was directing the attention. Directing the attention is a function of our minds. It's something that they can do. We can choose to pay attention to our hands, to pay attention to our breath. We can choose that. That's a possibility. But the uh, capacity of our minds to be aware of what's happening does not rely on Our choosing something to pay attention to. And so, this is a distinction between mindfulness or awareness. I'll often, I think, I will probably be using the words awareness and mindfulness simultaneously through this week. Awareness or mindfulness and directing the attention are two different things. It's possible to direct the attention and be mindful. And that's a lot of what meditation practice teaches. Certain forms of meditation practice teach that. It's also possible to basically not choose to direct the attention, but you know, kind of just settle back and see what does our, uh, our being naturally pay attention to. So this factor of attention is happening in every moment. Something is being chosen to pay attention to. Whether we are consciously choosing that as in directing the attention. Or our system, our being is choosing that. As, you know, just as the natural response of conditions. We can be mindful in either case. You know, you, we know this difference to some extent. If you think about um, you know, y- most of you probably drove to get here. And many of you probably were not fully mindful during that whole driving process, is my guess. I certainly wasn't. I was thinking about things. And so um, in the process of driving I wasn't consciously directing the attention to seeing and watching the cars. and It's like that was happening, even as my mind was thinking about other things. And so, because of the conditioning, because I've driven cars a lot, the mind knows how to pay attention to driving, even if I'm not consciously doing that. So we, we, we understand this distinction between directed and non-directed attention, to some extent. And what I'm encouraging here is it's possible to become aware and mindful of that non-directed attention. It, it kind of takes a settling back, a relaxing, and a willingness to kind of get out of the way of choosing of being the one in charge of what is going on. So that's part of this practice itself, is that getting out of the way. It can be uncomfortable to not be in control of what we are paying attention to. If that happens, notice, wow, this is uncomfortable. Okay, uncomfortable is happening. That's what's arising. And essentially that uncomfortableness as a relationship To the practice. That's looking at the mind. I'll get to that in a moment, the the looking at the mind piece in a moment. Right now, I want to explore the the effort side of the equation. So I've talked about relax and uh, receive. This receptive awareness. I think receiving is a good way to frame this non-directed attention. We receive what is happening rather than choosing what to pay attention to. So relax, receive. And in that relaxing and receiving, there's a way that the, the receiving... Um, uh, there's a kind of a, a, a light touch of effort that's necessary to not just space out and also a light touch of effort to help remind us not to grab on to something. So there's this balance we're looking at, a balance of energy and effort that is neither too tight nor too loose. So right now, I'm going to say some, suggest some areas for your mind to pay attention to. So essentially I'll be directing your attention for you. Notice your hands, the sensations of your hands. Notice the sensations of your hips against the chair or cushion or bench. Notice the contact of your feet. How hard is it to be aware with each thing I mention, just as I say it. Notice your hands. Notice the contact of your lips touching. How hard is that? It's usually not very difficult to know it just for a moment. So we can see that we can be aware without a lot of pushing, a lot of effort. We can, we can know. It's not That hard. When the mind is relaxed, it naturally takes in experience. And so that level of effort is the edge that we play with. It's not so hard to be mindful for a moment, for a split second, that moment of notice your breath. Notice a breath right now. How hard is that? Not so hard. What's hard is to do it continuously. To do it moment after moment after moment after moment. We forget. Our minds have the habit of wandering, of getting lost in thought. And so because of that, we carry often carry a relationship of, because it's hard to stay continuous... We carry a relationship of trying to hold on to mindfulness. I'm going, okay, I'm sitting down to meditate. I'm going to be mindful for the next 30 minutes or whatever. And we kind of squeeze down and try to essentially pick up the level of effort we need to be mindful for the entire 30 minutes And so there's there's an overdoing, there's a striving right at the beginning. Often, right at the beginning, there's a a kind of a squeezing or a pushing to be mindful. And this doesn't work so well. We think we should be able to hold on, and we're not able to hold on. So the, the level of effort that we make, or the exploration around effort here, is that we make just enough effort to be present for this moment. And then we remind ourselves to do it again. That much. That light touch. That little tiny bit of connecting. Ah, this is what's happening right now. And then we do it again. And again. And again. It's, uh, not, it's not trying to pick up everything at, at, at the beginning. It's just a little bit of effort. And a little bit of effort. And a little bit of effort. Just enough to be present for this, for this moment. And then as we do that, as momentum builds, as we um, just do that gentle touch of, oh, this and this and this, a kind of a momentum of mindfulness gets going. And then we discover that we don't necessarily have to remind ourselves as frequently. We can kind of ride the wave of mindfulness and as we start to see it getting a little bit fuzzy, we remind ourselves again. There's an analogy I use for this um, to kind of give you a, an image of this. It, it does seem helpful for people to hear this image. So uh, you know, kids ride these little Razor scooters, these little kick scooters. You have to balance on the platform uh, where there's two wheels and you balance on the the scooter. And then you have to tap the ground to get going. If you just try to balance on the scooter without tapping the ground, it's going to fall over. So you have to, at the beginning, coming from a standstill, tap the ground. You have to tap it kind of frequently to get the momentum going. As it gets going, you learn what it feels like to ride that momentum ride that uh, scooter and you realize you don't have to keep putting your foot down at that point. In fact, if you keep putting your foot down at that point, it kind of gets in the way of the ride. And so you learn to ride and then notice when the scooter starts to get a little wobbly, give it another tap and ride some more. It's kind of that kind of effort. We might, at the beginning, give one gigantic push and ride for a little while on the scooter, But you often find that that gigantic push actually creates an unstable momentum. It's not a a steady momentum. The light tap, tap, tap gets a momentum going and then we can ride. Very, very similar kind of exploration with our mindfulness practice. Just a light touch of, ah, this is what's here. Ah, and this is what's here. And this, and this. And we begin to get familiar with um, that stability, that momentum of mindfulness, and learn to, when we need to be reminding ourselves, when we need to touch in, this is what's happening, kind of gently connect, clearly and gently connect, and when we can just ride that momentum of mindfulness. So that's an image that I offer for the kind of effort that we explore in this practice. Sayadaw Utegeniya gave me the instruction. The very first instruction he gave me was the only work we have to do is to remind ourselves to be aware. We don't have to pick what we're aware of. All we have to do is just remember gently, ah, be aware, and what's here? aware and what's here and then that work is how frequently we remind ourselves gently light touch of effort our minds will wander they will absolutely wander helpful to have a a gentle relationship with the waking up with the moment of remembering mindfulness that's what it is actually you know our minds get lost we're not there's no, there's no instruction. I have nothing to tell you to do when your minds are lost. There's nothing I can tell you to do. It's just There's no instruction. The moment when mindfulness returns, that is a moment when we can begin to connect again. And it's really helpful in that moment, first of all, to recognize mindfulness is back. It's already back in that moment. What's here? What's present in that moment? What are you already aware of? What is the mind naturally paying attention to in that moment? There's nothing to get back to. No breath we have to direct the attention towards. We have re-arrived. And so, what is what is there in that moment? So that's, that's the first thing, to recognize that mindfulness has re-arisen. It can also be really helpful in that moment to... Um, to notice whether the mind has become tense. When the mind wanders, and the mind goes off into thought, essentially it's wandering into some new landscape. It's gone off somewhere, it's created some story, it's created some idea, it's created some world. And we have kind of taken up up residence in that world. And often in that world there are emotions, there are tensions, there are... Um, things going on that are now impacting us because our minds have wandered into that world. And so what is the world that we are waking up into? Is there tension here? If there is, if tension has crept into the landscape, I would suggest the first thing to explore when the mind has remembered, oh, I'm back, mindfulness is back, wow, there's tension in the body. Just give yourself an opportunity to relax again. Go back to that piece of relaxation so that the mind can approach the meditation from that perspective again. Relax, receive experience. Relax and receive. There's also a possibility when uh, the mind wanders, and this... Actually, when I began to notice this, I began to notice it happened way more than I would have imagined. That when the mind wanders, sometimes, you know, it depends on what's going on in your lives and how much you've cultivated uh, meditation, but sometimes the mind wanders into more calm and more ease than it had before. Sometimes what the mind wanders into is is relaxation, actually. And so in that moment of waking up, we have the opportunity to recognize what has the mind woken up into. And some part of the time, you'll actually be more settled than you were before the mind wandered. And if you are not judging the mind for wandering, if you are not giving yourself a hard time, oh, the mind has wandered. I'm a bad meditator. Whatever we do in that moment, if you're not doing that, you have the opportunity to actually land in a little bit more settledness. Take in that experience, and then again, what's obvious? So relax, receive. What's obvious? What's here? Light touch of effort. And then I'll only briefly mention now um, the, uh, the attitude, the relationship to experience. Most of, um, much of our practice is beginning to stabilize with relax and receive. We, we stabilize the attention with relax and receive. So as we with the um, meditation on breathing or picking a primary object, we're stabilizing by trying to connect with a particular meditation experience such as the breath. In this practice, we're just trying to stabilize the mindfulness. We're stabilizing awareness itself through relax, receive. What's here? What's here? What's here? So that's kind of how mindfulness begins to stabilize. And then we also need to check in from time to time. What is our relationship to what we are attending to? Because often our relationship to experience is kind of hidden in the slight subconscious realm. We're not so clearly aware of it. Just this morning, I was, um, maybe it was last night, I can't remember, the meditation's blur together some point when I was meditating recently I was noticing there was agitation in the mind and I noticed the agitation I could be mindful of the agitation and then in checking the attitude I recognized there was a subtle buying into the agitation in a way you know that it was like this needs to be fixed this is a problem the mindfulness is going to fix this agitation So there was a subtle perspective that the agitation was a problem. As soon as I saw that, that attitude released, and it was just, so the mind is agitated. It was very subtle. It was a very subtle perspective, just below my conscious awareness until I checked in. What's my relationship to this? So the checking in to our relationship to experience is kind of the beginning of our exploration of the mind. We begin to notice how we are in relationship to what is happening. And so just from time to time it's useful to check in. Not only what's obvious, but how am I with this? Different Different questions, and we can use questions here in the meditation. Um, You can just use that, you know, what's obvious, or here, what's here, what's this? Just subtle, quiet questions as our way to uh, connect, as our way to tap that scooter. And then from time to time, so what's here, what's obvious? From time to time... How am I with this experience? What's my relationship? What's the relationship to this experience? What's the attitude? Three different, three different kinds of questions, some of which may resonate for some of you better than others. So what's here? What's obvious? How am I with this? There's going to be roughly one of four relationships to what's happening. We're going to like it and want it to continue. We're going to not like it and want it to go away. We're going to be kind of confused about what it is, not sure about what it is. So basically greed, aversion, delusion. Or the mind will be okay with what's happening. Kind of a balanced attitude. Roughly one of these four areas. There'll be many flavors in all four of those areas. You know, Many flavors of aversion, fear, anger, uh, dislike, annoyance. You know, so many flavors of each of those, but we can roughly check in. It's like, how am I with this? In checking in, how am I with this? Sometimes... There's not going to be a clear response to that question. And I would encourage you to ask this question only occasionally. We'll talk more about that as the day goes on and as the week goes on. But just from time to time, check in. How am I with this experience? Spend most of your time kind of stabilizing Relax. Receive. What's obvious? What's obvious? And as the mind gets a little bit more stable, it gets easier to check into the relationship. How am I with this? And even as the mindfulness gets more stable, checking into that relationship, it may or may not be clear what the relationship is. If it is, sometimes it's blindingly clear. Oh, there's this thing happening, and boy, do I want it to stop. Okay. Something's happening and I don't like it. That that needs to be known. It's kind of like it's been revealed. It's kind of come out of your subconscious to be more clearly known. That's all that needs to happen with it. We don't have to do anything in particular other than become mindful of that as part of the field of what's happening. Oh, there's agitation and problemizing is happening. In my experience as I did that this morning, you know, it's like, oh, the problemizing fell away. And it was just the agitation and the knowing of it. And as I continued being with that agitation, the agitation just very slowly settled, you know, just slowly kind of released. As long as there was the idea of the problem in there, it kind of locked the agitation in place. And so becoming aware of our kind of subconscious tendencies, we can know them. Oh, there's something happening and I don't like it. Okay, can I be okay with that? So allowing as much as possible, allowing what is happening. Including whatever attitude is there. And so we'll talk much more about the attitude as we go on. But let's just right now take a moment to stand up to stretch, and then we'll do a brief um, we'll do a meditation. Um, I'll do a guided meditation with you with this style.